0: Alright, so, hello and welcome back to another edition of the American Scouser podcast. I'm Hillary and I'll be the host tonight, leading the discussion with our contributors, Gordon and Dave. How's everyone doing?
1: All good. All good here.
2: Yeah, Doing well, thanks.
0: Excited to get the season started, right? Uh, it's kind of been just... A waiting game all summer, pretty much.
1: To be fair, it felt like I waited longer for the Champions League final. It feels like it's just right upon <laughs> us. But, uh, no, man, I can't wait to get started again. Just being, oh, You don't know what to do with your weekends, do you? You get up and you're like, yeah, okay, right. there's no football, what's going on? So, yeah, I'm so excited to get started. Yeah, it was actually um,
2: productive in the mornings. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um well after I mean I, to me like it felt like a little bit of a less than stellar preseason but it felt like we finally kind of got back some of that heavy metal magic in the second half of the game from the weekend. So, um I thought maybe we could like open by talking about the game. Um I feel like yeah, the second half seemed to be like something special like kind of getting back into what We're used to seeing, um, so I just want to ask both of you like, what was your one big takeaway from the game, uh, on Sunday? Um, uh, Dave, I'll start with you. I am um,
1: to be honest, the first half it looked like City had been in season like, hadn't went anywhere, they just playing the same way they were playing the last season. Um, I thought, they were, I thought they were brilliant, I thought they were poor at the same time, but as you say, the second half, the big takeaway, I think, is that. Going to be a big talking point is probably Trent, um, which kind of upset me really because I I thought when Joe Gomez went went right back, I thought he was excellent, and for them, 30 minutes he was full back, so he's definitely give Jurgen something to think about. Uh, I, I, it was was a weird game, I wanted to win the game, of course. Uh, I'd want Liverpool to win a coin toss, doesn't matter, it's just, but I wasn't disappointed. Because I know for a fact that if you're Pep Guardiola, you're going to be sitting there probably on the coach home or on the plane home, thinking I've got away with one there. You know, Liverpool were the better side, and I kind of got to get away with one. So
0: he totally was like City won by one in the shootout, just like we won by one point uh, for the title. (laughs) He said that in his in his post game. So I mean, like we're still in his head, totally, (laughs) like completely.
1: I've never seen him like this. You know, like I, I know he's been. You know, he's a. Everyone knows he's a. He's a top manager. He's a phenomenal manager. But he 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 doesn't. I don't think he likes that Liverpool get more airtime, in effect, than his team. His team. You know, he feels like you don't get applauded. Well, the reason why you don't get applauded because I think you spent two hundred million on full-backs since you've been there. That's the reason why you don't get applauded are playing against, you know, the most expensive football side ever assembled with probably the, the best manager of the last. You know, apart from maybe Alex Ferguson, probably be the best manager in the last 40 years. You know, it's not... This is why you don't get applauded. You're, you're expected to win every single game and every single trophy. When are Liverpool, the way Liverpool are doing things and the way we've gone about our business. And let's not forget it. The Champions League is the biggest trophy any club side can win. You know, that's why we're getting applauded. But I think we are banging his head. I think he's sitting there, literally after that game, 2am, probably calling Mikhail Arteta going, what the fuck are we going to do? Because these lads are way ahead of us. I think... And The other plus that we can kind of take out, which is kind of sound disappointing, but that the Bruyne and Leroy Sane go off injured, it is a bonus. It's a great, it is a bonus. I know that sounds really harsh, but you they don't drop many points, so as soon as they can lose players, that can help them not win football matches on farm with it. To be honest, yeah. Uh, Gordon, what about
0: you?
2: Yeah, those are my pretty much my statements exactly. Um, I other than the final result, it felt like a win. Um, we pretty much washed City away in that second half. They rarely touched the ball. Um, I think we had maybe one scare in, in that second where they, they made a, a run through the middle. But yeah, Trent was a little worrying. He he kept getting caught with those diagonal balls. Um, you could definitely see that, that Pep had done his homework against us we play a really, really good and very tight uh, offside trap coming straight from, from Virgil van Dijk's uh, command of that back line. And so the only way around it is really those those deep cross-field diagonal ball, balls over the back, back line. And it seemed like it was really catching Trent off. So we'll have to see for that because I did feel like we were much better with Gomez over there. But with saying that, I mean, maybe that's our – right back. I mean, one of, the, one of the places that I felt that we needed a backup was at uh, the right back position. So, I mean, maybe that, that game answered the question there for us. We don't need that position anymore. Although I would like to have at least three center backs. I know uh, Fabinho can drop in and uh, play his hand back there from time to time, but I think he's much stronger than a, a center defending mid. But yeah. I mean, apart from, I mean, you get, I really, I feel like he put Mo in there. Or Firmino and Sala get a couple more games under their belt. I mean, I really think we could have beat them four nil. I don't think it. I mean, we played them off the pitch in the second half.
1: Mm. I think for the, I think it's a really good point. Actually, I thought it felt like to me only Salah and Firmino looked like they actually wanted to win the game in the first half. You know, I thought Salah was back to his, his so sharp. Where last season he kind of had a slow start. Like it felt like he was just back to his like his normal forty goal season best. So that's just that's a massive plus. And it probably doesn't it probably makes a big difference when Shalon for me probably had two best players and they both played football this summer. So boy, they probably are a bit more fitter than the other players.
0: Yeah, um Mo had fifty nine percent of the shots on goal, um ten out of seventeen and City had eight total um so i feel like he is like totally hungry for goals again and you could totally you could just see it um do you think that not having uh sadio mane there with the three of them up front um kind of affected the dynamic of what was going on um to break through do you, like do you think Urigi was successful in place of sadio i'll uh throw that to you dave since you're such a big fan of Urigi.
1: origi <laughs> can do no wrong but uh To be fair, I thought, he's a a, a peculiar man, isn't he? Like, for the guy who's so quick and so strong, he doesn't make himself look weak um, sometimes on the ball. Sometimes when he picks up the ball, he looks a bit lazy and a bit lackadaisical. And you think, just use your pace and burst past the man. You know, give a go. I know Carl Walker's quick, but, you know, have a go on him. Give him something to think about. I I thought he'd done okay. I think, you know, he'd done fine. But I also think that it's very harsh because I think Sadio is probably one of our most important players outside Virgil. I think he, he sets the trap so well. He he starts... He, he helps Robo a lot. He, um, he sets the uh, counter-attack. He sets everything. He sets the pace for counter-pressing from the front and all this. So, I think Sadio, he's a massive miss. Literally, I think if you if you said to Jürgen, out of the front three, which one can't you replace? He'd probably say Sadio because he's so unique as a player. So... Uh, yeah, of course he was missed. It's very difficult for Divock because I also don't think, I don't think he likes it down that left wing. I I like him down the wing because, as I say, his pace sometimes can cause a lot of problems. But I think he preferred to see himself. so maybe he's a number nine in the Bobby role. But he he knows what he was getting into when he signed a new contract that he's going to be in the team. Um, I thought he'd done okay. But yeah, the Saturday o, it, you, I think it even if we had Saturday yesterday, we probably would have won the game. To be honest.
0: Really, Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel that way too, although my big takeaway was that we can survive and play really well without James Milner, but I really don't want to. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that uh, I really would have preferred to have him start or at least be a sub. Um, we definitely missed him during penalties. Um, how do you think uh, the midfield uh, did during that game, uh, Gordon? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I was I was actually really surprised. There was a one of the points that I had written down here was that Henderson had such a good preseason. Um, a few of the games, he was definitely man of the match for me. Um, com- completely commanded the midfield. He looked like somebody that was ready to win a couple more titles this year. Um, really promising, but he sort of faded away in that that game. I can't really recall anything that that stood out to me where he. Boston midfield, made a big tackle, uh, put a statement in there, any really decent shots, anything like that. Uh I just – he, he kind of was just a shadow of himself from from what I've seen in the last couple of preseason games. So that was definitely surprising for me. And and when he's not clicking, the rest of that team can't get clicking. Um I think Fabinho did well. I, be, I mean, really, they were avoiding the middle as much as possible they were keeping it wide and then switching play across the field, so maybe that's why it kind of stunted at the middle three. Um, but I don't know. I just maybe the game got to him or the, the pressure, or I mean, maybe he was just overrun in that middle and, and couldn't find his feet early enough in the game. And I know that he's a, a player that wears his uh, emotions on his sleeve, and if he's not doing well in the first couple of minutes, sometimes it seems to affect him for the rest of the game. So I wasn't 100% happy. With, uh, with the midfield, but it could have definitely been a lot worse. And, and they were really pivotal in that second half and controlling the ball and, and keeping that high press nice and tight. Yeah. Did
1: you uh, just, go on, Hill. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I, oh, I, I, was agree. In... I just, I, my thing was, I think Henderson's best thing that he did was when he went, when he squared up to Guardiola. That was the best thing he did all game. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. He went over and screamed at him and had to be, like, pulled away. That was amazing.
1: I was in the bar. I mean, one of the lads, what do you think he said? I think he went over it to play up and went, what are those pants you've got on? They're awful, mate. <laughs> got about 15 pockets <laughs> on your trousers. Dreadful. But uh, <laughs> I thought the midfield was poor, to be honest. I thought Gini was dreadful. Like, I don't want to dig him out, because you say he's your first game mark and things, but well, I did think he was dreadful all game. I thought he was non existence and the penalty miss just kind of summed him up, really. Summed his ninth up. I, I, you know, I think the big, the big positive that we can take out after substitutions especially was Alana. I thought Lallana was excellent. I thought he was everywhere when he came on. I thought he had a lovely touch. Look, he wants to get on the ball. I thought Chamberlain had done well. I thought Kite was good as well. You know, I thought, but I thought Lallana really stood out. And that also gives, of course, an extra option. He's a very, uh, let's say, dynamic character where people have very mixed mixed opinions on Lallana. But I don't know if he keeps performing like that coming off the bench for 20, 30 minutes in games. Then we've got a good asset on our hands.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I would have to agree. Like I am probably one of the biggest fans of uh, Jeannie Wynaldum. I called him MVP last February. I yeah. still stand by that next to Virgil Van Dyke. I felt like he was one of our most instrumental players last season, uh, probably just up there with with Virgil and Alison as to me as like someone we could not have done without. Um, but yeah he was a ghost for that entire game to me, and then like, like you said, that pen, I mean we'll never know what would have happened if you know James Mulner had been in there for that instead, um, but yeah, so um, I think that you know he goes down as probably someone who had put in like the to me like the worst performance in that game, totally out of character for him, yeah. but um, who would you say was the man of the match
1: yeah. Uh... To uh, Salah, probably he was—he was excellent. He really was, and um, uh, it's hard for me to give it to a sub one, but I say Salah. But I say it's a special shout out for Gomez at right back and Lallana. Follow, I say again, I thought Lallana was excellent, but I will go Salah. I think he's back to his best. I I, I I if I was Norwich watching that game, I'd be thinking, oh fucking, I don't want to do this on a Friday night, first game back, and I don't want to fucking go and mark him. if I, if I, you left back you would
0: be sitting, I think, I don't want this. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: I'll go, Charlie. Yeah, I have to agree. Your... One of the, the moves that he made uh, coming in off the, the right, right across, he pretty much followed the 18-yard box, took two, two guys on with his back to goal, somehow spun around at a 180 mm-hmm. and went near post and, I mean, rattled mm-hmm. the post. And that was one of the best moves all game. He definitely looked in mid-season form, and that was something that we saw him do time and time again two years ago. And it was that I just got the feeling it was it's going to be one of those seasons where everything he touches goes in, and and the more that guy scores, the more creative he gets, and the, the more interesting shots he takes. I mean, uh, two years ago he he had a like a, a header, like a backwards header that just won over, and those are the type of goals that you score when you're in form. You don't you don't even try that when you're in a drought and you only make those when you've made everything else. And I just extremely positive and it, it bodes well for us and I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I think that Saul was the man of the match. And honestly, if uh, Klopp had any say in where they put the goals or where, where they set the goals up at Wembley, uh, if he just had moved him a couple inches <laughs> over to the, he would had a hat trick. So, I mean, I definitely a very positive,
0: yeah, uh, okay. Oh,
1: uh, no, yeah. I was just gonna say I, I, another thing on Salah as well. You forget that two years ago he scored forty-four goals. It's like you know, last season we won the European Cup. I think he scored like twenty-eight or something. So you know, he probably backs himself to get to the forty mark again, which only spells spells well for Liverpool, you know. And I think the competition between the front three is. I think the competition with Sadio and himself especially is definitely rife. So looks like he's come back with a bit of a chip on his shoulder.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I have to agree with like everything that was said. He was my man of the match too. I think an honorable mention goes to Bobby because he had some really good fire, especially in the first half. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, he he was one of the better looking players to me while he was on the field. Um, yeah,
1: imagine that volley winning in the first half when he brought the ball down from forty foot high, and I literally—it's a half volley on the turn. That would have went, in I think I'd still be in the pub now. I've never seen—I wouldn't never seen a goal like it. <laughs> it would have been unbelievable.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, Velcro on his shoes for that one.
1: Oh, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable.
2: But yeah, his his link-up play is extremely pivotal to to linking up the, the wings, and you saw it again in the game, and and that only bodes well. As, once we get money back there, I think that we're gonna be. A formidable force yet again and and definitely I think that we uh we did enough to scare the crap out of Pep because he definitely he stole one there.
0: So um kind of going into the start of the season um after what you saw from this game, who do you pair with um Virgil van Dyke? Well oh, uh uh
1: Probably Massive to be honest, um, I'd play Gomez right back, and not. I feel very harsh on Trent because he's only had a bad sixty, really. Um, Gomez was so assured that he was—he really was. And it's—I think Jürgen's got to said really likely because if you leave Trent out for an extended period of time, it could really damage him. He's only a young lad, it can really damage him. Um, so I—I I would start the season with Massif, um. I think I think we go three or four yeah. games then then there's an international break. So then see where we are after the international break. But I'll probably start the season with Matip, then Gomez like Bach.
2: Yeah, Matip looked comfortable on the ball. He looked like the, the preseason had done him well. Um obviously had the confidence to get in there and score the goal for us. Um I I like Gomez at at center back just because you know that's the way we started last year and it was so positive and and you know when he went out it was it was visible that we were struggling to find that uh, center connection with him but I think you go with what what worked in the beginning and you let everybody else you you let things sort themselves out in training um, and as the games wear on you, you sort of get a better understanding of of where everybody's fitness levels are and where everyone's heads are at. Um, but I, I definitely think you start where it was most positive in in that first game. And for me, it was Gomez on the right and Matip in the center. So that's the way that I would start the back line.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, um, you know, if if Trent can kind of reclaim his spot and if Gomez gets to, to where we saw him before he was injured in, in December, um, then I think that totally like shuffles things around a lot. But definitely, um, I'd choose um, Virgil and Matip for my pairing, uh, hands down. Um, I think you might look at strength
1: going a bit further forward as well, to be honest. it might be something that he looks at. He goes, I can push him on further forward. If he wants to go and play like a four-two-three-one and play him on the right side, you know, Salah down the middle, it gives him different options as well. So I think you might, you know, it is something that as we spoke about privately with the club, I believe that they want to push Trent further forward. So, you know, it could be definitely something that like they all look at as well with Gomez right back and then sent right wing or something.
2: There might actually yeah. be something to that because that's, honestly, I felt like uh, Alberto Moreno, that's, he was probably a much better winger. I don't know why they never even tried him out Is that. He was god-awful coming back and defending and, and he was getting caught out the same way that Trent was getting caught out uh, on Sunday. So there might actually be something to that. Definitely, he's a extreme threat on the wing, going forward, make putting those crosses in. So that's interesting. I never thought about that, but I'd I'd give it a go.
1: I think think in certain games at home. So for example, like you look at Norwich at home. If it wasn't for the first game of the season, say you're playing Norwich in December or January. Let's be honest, Liverpool should beat Norwich. You know, I should play centre mid, and we can beat Norwich. And you know, you, that's when you can like experiment with these things. That's when you can get your, like, your midfield, for example. It could be Keiter as a number six, with Shakiri and Chamberlain. Um, you can rest your salad and then put like Trent as a right wing forward, or Shakiri as a right wing forward, and then put Trent as centre mid. They're the kind, these are the kind of games, I know it's the first game of the season, so we probably won't take any chances, but it's the kind of game where you can experiment a little bit and try little new things, at least what we're working on. You know, I think we forget that So only so young. He does see himself as a midfielder. He was a centre midfielder. People forget that also at the youth level. He's like a centre midfielder. So, you know, when he when he, he looks stronger already. He looks like a bigger boy from when he first got him in. Like, his man strength is coming through. So, it looks like something that he could definitely look at. Um, I, don't, I, I can see it in certain games. I can see him definitely as an option. Because I, I also think you will want him as a set-piece option. I think he's probably our best free-kick taker and probably our best corner taker. So... Apart from Shakiri, maybe when he's on the field. But I mean, so I think you'll probably want to try and find a little space for him. As I say, and I think them kind of games at home, Norwich, Sheffield, United, and things, maybe even the League Cup further out, you could probably see him a bit further forward.
0: That's definitely something to think about. And I think, yeah, I would hope to see that because I really would like to see him be able to not have to worry about coming back the way that he does. I mean, he he should be on you know on the field the way that he links up and stuff and with all those assists like it's just a shame to not have him there but um yeah so uh I wanted to kind of get into if we're if we're finished talking about the game if any of y'all had some final thoughts or we can move on to talk about the rule changes and the introduction of VAR um so if you have any final thoughts
1: yeah Pep older should never wear them pants ever again. <laughs> what was he doing? <laughs> Look, like he just he, looked like he just come out the jungle or something. Where, uh, yeah, no, it's it. Listen, as I say, played well. Take the positives. Salah great, Firmino great. Move on. Means nothing. Well, yeah, move on. All
0: right. Well, um, with with bringing up Pep, he was the first manager to receive a yellow, um. And that's one of the rule changes. Now managers can get a yellow, a second yellow. They can get a straight red. And the punishments are the same as what players get. So theoretically, they're out for one game or they're out for three games. Um, we can have our, our thoughts on that. But I also want to ask uh, your predictions of who do you think the first Premier League manager will be that gets two yellows or a straight red this season? <laughs>
1: Go on, Gord. I'll let you take that
2: one. <laughs> uh, you know, because this actually, it affects the... Um, from what I was listening to during the game, they brought it up, but uh, if the ref can't tell which one of the sideline staff um, was mouthing off, the the yellows or the reds would go to the manager as well. So you got to think who's got the, the roughest bunch behind him and the most... Uh, <laughs> Maybe the most Italian, because a lot, a lot of those Italian guys will stand up and and come to the the sidelines. So I don't know. I, I maybe City. I think would would probably be who would who yeah. would get the most right off the bat. Um, you know, too bad Cardiff's not in it anymore. I definitely would have said that uh, Neil Warnock would have been Neil, sent off know. the first game.
1: Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <no. laughs>
0: I don't know. I feel like Sean Dice deserves an an honorable mention.
1: I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know what? It's funny, you know, when you think about it. I'm trying to think of, like, the assistants. And I think, like, Brendan's got Colo Torre. I just can't see Colo ever getting bust. He's too nice. Uh, You know, I can't really. I don't know. The one that screams to me is Roy Hodgson. I don't know why. I just got a feeling like he's just, like, he blames everyone but his own team and how much of an average manager he is. Um, like Roy, Roy loves a one nil defeat when his play, when his team has four shots on target, and you'll come go out really unlucky today. He loves all that, so I can just see him doing that, and it, you know what I mean. So I'll go Roy just for the sheer fact of I want to see him get sent up and how he reacts to it, just for my own sheer satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think he's also okay. my first pick to get sacked as well. I think so. <laughs> So maybe that's going to tie into the same thing. You give me the <laughs> first one sent off and the first one sacked. So
0: they'll, they'll coincide with each other, yeah.
1: In the same game, like uh, after the same game. Yes. He's been sent off, then he gets sacked that's, an hour later. Oh, brilliant.
2: That's the reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll go with we, you, man.
2: we know Steve Bruce won't be able to stand up to get any
1: of those yellows. So oh, not good. him. I forgot he was backing <laughs> up. Do just that, like... You no, know, now you start to evaluate your football a bit more So, I kinda of, you know, I didn't switch it off over the summer, but you know, I was kinda of like in it, dipping in and out and I just remember that Steve Bruce is back in the Premier League and I just it's Yeah. It's just two thousand three or something. I don't know. Ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> that he's actually still getting jobs in the Premier League. It is Newcastle, but you know. Oh Stevie Bruce. So, um yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of the the big rules that we're all
0: um, you know, now widely aware of because of the card shown to Pep, but there are some other rule changes that are going to be implemented um, from new handball rules to how, free, you know, players can be during free kicks. Um, and then the one that kind of stood out to me was the subs and, you know, when you're being subbed off, they can't time waste anymore. They have to leave the, the pitch at the nearest point. Um, and I feel like, wasn't that a change from, like, the past that they, like, took away because players walking past, like, the away stand would get, like, abuse and stuff? Like, how do you guys feel about some of these new rules? Um, is there one that, like, you agree with or you don't agree with that, like, really hits you in a certain way? I feel like,
1: I feel like the time-wasting one, especially because we're Liverpool, of course, and we get a lot of clubs time-wasting against us. Um could Definitely be one that benefits us, but to be honest, it just feels like they just change it for the sake of changing it sometimes. You know, I the handball one, you know, <laughs> again, what, what what you know, what constitutes handball now? They're going to say, Well, if it just hits your arm, it's it's a penalty, <laughs> it just seems extremely un- unlucky. Um, I don't know, I think as I say, I think the time was the one probably the one that benefits Liverpool the most. You don't have to see some slow subs when Liverpool are losing or they're rolling. I think he was the one at West Ham this year and the lad took about four minutes to get off. I think he's still walking off the ground now, actually. Uh, so, yeah, you know, i said the time the one I'm okay with. I do, I think it wasn't, I think you are right, Hilary, I think it was a rule. Um, but I also think that the referee was getting them also confused because they had uh, the same kit on the course. They didn't have a bib on. Um, and the referee was kind of getting them confused. I think that's why they changed it. So I'm not sure why they changed it back. It must be just because of the time waste, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah, that'd be the same one that that stands out to me as most beneficial to us. I just remember the the famous Chelsea game, Gerard slip. Just the amount of time wasting going on there, and also you, you're seeing it more and more now. But teams are actually using it as a tactic. They, they have the player. I don't know whether they set it up at halftime or whether something comes over from the bench and, and just makes it w- his way over to the player. But the player that's supposed to come off will get the farthest away. Like we're Right in the corner, flag, and then pretend like he's tying a shoe or whatever. And oh, oh, it's me. Oh, I didn't know that I wasn't looking. And then walk <laughs> over, and there's three or four minutes there. So I definitely like that one. But I got to agree with you, Kazi, because a lot of this to me seems like just a bunch of guys that make way too much freaking money and they have to justify their jobs. So they made a bunch of rules that, you know, are really have never been an issue before. I mean, the, the ball. Lee has to leave the 18 yard box. Okay, big deal. Um, scoring from a goalkeeper throw in, like, one that's never even happened. It's like, what, <laughs> some of these are just mute points. It's just people justifying how much money they make, essentially. But
1: you know if a Keeper scores from his own throw in. I think it deserves to count.
2: <laughs> for yeah, like, that's right. I, I mean, the Jesus. poor defending
1: that must go on for a goalie to start from his own throw in. I think he deserved two goals. I think he deserved two. Just have two of them because the fence deserves it. you just conceded off a fucking throw. But it's ridiculous that I think I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's men earning way too much money changing the rules for the sheer fact of justifying it when there's actually serious issues in football that's just not addressing. Right. But, you know, it's just, you know, ticker prices for the start, racism also. So, and I just think there's a lot more other things we've got to worry about than a goalkeeper scoring from his own throwing. <laughs> Yeah, and then
2: the what, this, really ridiculous one about goal celebrations—like you can still get booked even if the goal doesn't count. Like, oh man,
1: I like—are we? Are we? Do we forget? guys? I think, I think these people forget. I don't think they must—they mustn't follow football. You have no. to it. the no. sheer no. of euphoria that goes through your body when your team scores a goal. it it's it, it, There's nothing like it. There's not. It, there's not one that you can prescribe for it. That's why you keep going back to that moment. I went like, you know, the sheer release that you have when your team scores a goal, even when you're losing, like, 3-0, and you score to make a 3-1, you just think, right, go ahead. You know, let the lads celebrate. Oh, he's jumped in the crowd. Can you fucking blame him? He scored a 98-minute winner in a game. All the pressure of playing in a game. doesn't matter. You know, does it, you know he took his shirt off. Wow. If I had a body like this, I'd never wear a shirt. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. so... It's just, I don't know, man. I, I think I, I, the celebration one really gets me. It really does. You know, there's no better feeling in the world. And for that player, at that point, to a score a goal, there must be no better feeling in the world for them either. So, I think for both sets of people that can share it at that moment, and then it gets, you know, you get your yellow card for taking a shirt off. It's just absolutely ridiculous.
2: It links the players to the fans, too. Because when when I watch a player just go in absolute euphoria... Scoring, I like that's who I want in my starting 11. Like somebody that when they put the ball in the back of the net wearing the red shirt, it means as much to them as it does to me watching at home. And you know, if they're worried about accumulating too many yellows because of it, it, it sort of takes away that, that fan connection.
1: Yeah, I like, I love, I love de of course, but it always breaks my heart, you know, in the Champions League, kind of that he just celebrates it like he scored in a preseason friendly. I'm like, Divock, man, jump in the crowd with them. Get a flare out. <laughs> it's game over. Get your top off and just say, Nah, I'm never leaving. This is me. Just like, <laughs> I, you just celebrated, like, it was like, oh, yeah, I just, I just that's what I do. What what, what? what? This is what I do. Like, mate, this is like the greatest moment of your life, and you've celebrated, it like, you know, yeah, okay. Just a little jog to the corner block. <laughs> like, oh, Divock, get in the crowd. Come on. <laughs> get the beers down <laughs>
0: Um. So yeah, like the the rule changes and like they coincide, like the 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 penalty changes for the keepers with the foot on the line, not being able to touch um the goalposts, and then you know uh not no movement beforehand. Um, they that kind of coincides with bar too because. Um, that's one of the things that they won't be strictly enforcing with the VAR um it'll be up to the ref um on the pitch um but yeah like are you looking forward to VAR do you think that it's gonna help or hurt us and what um yeah like what are your your initial thoughts going into this this first season with it um Gordon I'll start with you well
2: I mean I think the the Bundesliga has done a pretty good job of it. And that was – it's one of those things where the, you knew they were going to try it anyways. And waiting, I think, was the best thing for the Premier League, just kind of getting the, the kinks out. And, I mean, I'm, I don't like it at all. But if it's going to happen, it, it seemed to have gotten to a point that I could live with. And then we got to this summer where I felt like it was misused in every single summer competition internationally. All I, I mean, everything from AFCON to the Gold Cup to the bowl I mean, the Women's World Cup, it was overused, it was abused, it was a waste of absolute time, and now I'm back to just completely hating it, and uh, I'm not, not confident at all. I felt like we could sort of squeak by, and, you know, it, it'd be a couple of weeks before everyone got used to it, and we just kind of settle into our, our own ways, Um but now I'm... I can't stand it. I'm, I'm not looking forward to it at all.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with God, to be honest, Phil. I, I, I've done a complete 180 on it now. I was all for it at one point. Actually, I was all for it after the city Tottenham game in the Champions League. I went, that's what it's meant to be used for. That moment. Of, of It's a key, key game and a key moment, and that's what it's meant to be used for. And then I watched a bit of the Women's World Cup, and it was a joke, in all honesty. It's meant to be used for clear and obvious errors, but when a when a girl or a woman is a toe offline, that's not clear and obvious error. You know, what, why was the offside who created Was to stop people from goal lanking and being 15 yards past the defenders and just someone kicking the ball up to them and they'll score? That's why it was used. When I, when one of the women I, I, is it like literally a shoulder offline, a half shoulder, on the, it's just a bit, you know, fucking that, like, you know, <laughs> it's meant to be clear and obvious errors. And that that felt like, to me, it was just a bit, you know, I'm, I've done a complete 180 on it. Um, In terms of... The the other thing is, as well, you're going to get managers completely changing their tactics. Because if it was me, and I had someone like Jesus, for example, as the perfect example, he was offside three times, I think, when he came on. I think he was only on for like, 30 minutes. He was offside three times. Because if I'm a manager, I'm going, chance yourself on being on the last man. Score, and we'll go to VAR. Don't stop, you run, and be offside. I'll be going to them. I don't care if you're offside eight times a game, because that one time you won't be. We'll go to the camera. You'll be dead on, and you'll score. You know what I mean? So if I if I had a quick striker like that, I'd say go and play on, right on the last man. I just don't. I don't care if you're offside. Just score. Just you know what I mean? Score, and then we'll look at the VAR. And we'll we'll find out if you're offside. You know what I mean? Because you get a you get a lot of strikers who will, like not stop us, say now we'll take that chance. But then you will go. Now they will take the chance. Think, I'm us just take a chance on VAR. So that you're gonna get a lot of. I think you're gonna. If that that was me, anyway, I think you're gonna get a lot of teams completely going with a quick striker and go oh, just be be as say, be offside eight times in a game because that one time you won't be and you'll score. So, I think it could be something that you're definitely going to see a lot of changes. I think the Jesus one. I I thought this before that game and the Jesus yesterday they kind of. I don't know, sorry, it was yesterday? Yesterday, um, kind of. I'm not saying he was doing that, but, you know, he was offside three times in 30 minutes, which kind of tells you that, you know, he's kind of been told that, you know, let's take a chance on VAR, let's take a chance on the ref. Because you're going to get a lot of linesmen not flagging. You're going to get a lot of linesmen not flagging and go, we'll go to VAR. I can be called wrong, I can be called right. But the problem is, if the linesmen raises their flag and they are onside, there's going to be an inquest. to say, why did they raise the flag? Why didn't they go to VAR? So I think we're going to see a lot of changes, especially with the tactics of the managing, especially from the linesman as well.
0: Yeah, and I also feel like it's probably going to, you know, yeah, get into the heads of the players, too. Because um, other than the four main things that they're supposed to check for, for those clear and obvious errors, and um, I think they say, like, serious uh, incidents that have been missed or something, mm. um, you know, goals, penalties, straight reds, and then um, mistaken identity. Um, they're additionally going to be looking at um, so so players could be punished for simulation. Um, and so that's one of the things that I'm kind of like, well, you know, last season, there's a lot of talk about a few, you know, instances with mm-hmm. with Mo and with Sadio. And so, like, I feel like that's one where one place where we could be punished um you know for for situations that like maybe we see a little bit differently but other people see a certain way um and so like that that's my like other than the concerns that you know y'all have brought up and like the the main kind of um negatives of var that's kind of like my one concern is like i don't want that to become a thing for us um and then of course, um yeah, the the um the highlight and just like stuff like that. But um yeah, so I, I don't know. I, oh. I'm still on the fence about it. I feel like I, the I feel like the league is really tensed about it and I feel like they're not going to, you know, go in hard with it. They're kind of yeah. like, we're just gonna see. <laughs> so yeah.
1: I feel like I again I I I voice all your concerns really. I just feel it's a bit what are we what are we using a foot? Are we using a foot to, to penalise someone being a shoulder offside? Well it just seems really harsh being toes offside with this imaginary line that they bring up. It just feels a bit, you know not tasteless as such, but the penalty situation and, and again the salad diving and things. If you have a, if you if someone hits you in your car, she goes, okay, is only a little bump, or do you want to get your cash for it on the, from the insurance? No matter what, when Salah was going down last season, in my opinion, he was touched, so he was entitled to go down. Now, whether people think that's enough to a penalty right. or not, you know, I don't, I don't think VAR are penalising for that, though. I think they'll penalise him for a full dive, but when he's been touched, they'll go, well, no. You know, you can't, it's very difficult, I think. I think it's a really fine balance that they're going to have to try and get ironed out pretty sharpish.
2: That's exactly. I
0: think, like, yeah, no matter what they do, it's always going to be objective with VAR, without VAR. So I mean, it feels like a lose-lose, you know.
2: Yeah, unless the unless the analytics have some kind of physics built into them. I mean, players like Salah, Mane, the reason they're so good is because they're quick and their pivot points and weight distribution changes rapidly. And so when you're moving at that speed and you kind of have a, a shifting center of gravity and you're going down with the slightest of touches, so for some big wig in a bow tie, they'd be sitting behind a camera and going, "Oh, that's a diver," or, or "That was unintentional or purpose." You know, I feel like those kind of things, you know, a dive when you see one. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. I think the the retroactive punishment of, of dives and things like that are. Hey, I'm just hoping that they don't get out of hand because I can I can easily see them just going wild with it. Mm.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, um one of the other things that I wanted to bring up for uh this pod because we were in a shootout was who are your um top five um penalty takers uh <laughs> on the team? would you have had going up there um, alright I'll go with you Dave
1: you know what I named all four I mean four out of five before I went DGR penalty takers, and I picked Virgil over Ronaldo I thought Virgil definitely take him one I went he'll back himself of course he might have been number six I don't know but I think if if the whole squad on the field you Milner Salah uh, I was a big fan of Shakiri's penalty to be honest Um uh, he looks very calm as well on the ball Bobby I don't know if I'd fancy Bobby i fancy Henderson to take a penalty Um, you know I did fancy Virgil as I say yesterday I'd also fancy Trent but it's a bad one to be honest he's got such great technique I think I'd probably fancy Trent but you know I just don't want to be in them kind of situations again this season to be honest can we just win all games in 90 Uh, you know I was need like a community shield and I get it it would have been lovely to win but you know I was feeling the aches yesterday I was like oh no oh no and then you think, my God! Imagine this was a bigger game. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'm just a bit disappointed. that Virgil never got to take one. I really, I, you know, I really wanted Virgil to to step up and see if he is actually calm as you like. <laughs>
0: Has he taken any like for the Netherlands? I, I, I don't I think know.
1: He, I've I think ever seen him take one. for Celtic. I don't know if you have ever seen his free kicks for Celtic. They're unbelievable. He used to take free kicks for yeah. Celtic, and. Uh, 25 30 half free kicks and he's just to settling top in. So I, I don't know, it just, it just looked like he had the technique. And it, I think he would have, back, I thought he would have backed himself to be honest. But as I say, he might have been number six. But I also thought Alisson would have got one as well. I think, funny enough, I, I, I mean, one of the lads in the pub yesterday, they were like, Well, imagine Alisson taking one. I was like, You know what? I'd back Allison. I'd back Alisson. He's, he's got the technique and he's got the, you know, he is the man. So I would have backed Allison to take one as well.
2: Yeah, Jordan, no,
0: they, what about you? Your well lives, now,
2: so. now that we got Adrian. Uh I mean he took one, he knocked the blues out. Oh. He, he knocked everton out in the FA Cup. with <laughs> his he saved one, then stood up and, and put uh the, the blue side and Mersey side out of the FA Cup back in 2015. So maybe he'd be my number five. Uh I like Trent. Uh Shakiris was solid. Um I think that Lalana takes a good penalty. I think he's good good on the spot as well. Yeah, um, Austria. yeah, from what I, from what I know, uh, from Red Bull, uh, I know Navi took a lot of penalties for them. I could see him up there. I think we've got a lot of guys that are, are super common in ball, but obviously you want Mane, you want Salah, and you want Milner. That'd be my, my top three for sure in a, in a five man shootout. But beyond that, I think we have the tools that we can even make substitutions during games, but I'm um, with Kazi. I. I hate shootouts. I don't want to be there again because, especially you know, in the 2005 Champions League final when we had the shootout, um, that was a miracle. That was just bonus. It, it, there was no pressure. Uh, everyone enjoyed it. We win. We lose. Whatever. We came back from three nothing down in one game in one half, 45 minutes, uh, played our hearts out for the from 90 to 120 minutes. That was that was just icing. But in the game on Sunday when we should have won the game. I mean, we hit the post three times, had a goal line clearance, a goal line technology decision. Like, those are the ones that you don't that want to go clearance to. clearance
0: was insane. I mean, just thinking about that clearance makes my back. hurt. Like, how did he <laughs> land and still just be able to get up keep playing? That's insane. <laughs> it's one night.
1: I think. I, I think I think about it at least three times a week. Four times a week. Just like, has he done that? How is this possible? What's happening right now?
2: So it's gotta be. The
1: moment, you know?
2: It's gotta be Walker too. Just someone that you just despise every fiber of his being. It couldn't be like a nice guy like David Silver or something like that. It's gotta be Walker. That's the worst part. I
1: know. I know. It's <laughs> like he and he's also going. He, as you can see, he's going a bit thin on top as well. isn't he, it's like he's went so Vincent comes yeah. I'm gonna be the. I'm gonna be the lead ball guy here. Right, this is, <laughs> I took over the mantle. I'm gonna think about that all week. That clearance, unbelievable. Fair play to Margins,
0: margins. I
1: think the um, yeah, I think the interesting part about the whole game as well. I know we come back to it, but I don't know if you have you guys seen the reason why Maras never got picked for the game. Uh, I don't know. It was the, he
0: was on cold medicine or something.
1: Well, mm, yeah, he said they uh, he was given some. Uh, interesting medicine. I think that's how he was or something like that in Algeria and he's probably not gonna pass a drug test. But for that was really interesting, they so just mm. come out and say that. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could just say no, he's got a bit of an injury here. No no he's not gonna pass a drug test. Wow, okay. <laughs> but that was a bit of I that was really interesting, especially for your manager to come out and say, maybe he wants to make a public knowledge to say, hey, we're not trying to hide anything maybe. But for that yeah, was really, like, really come interesting.
0: out in front of it. Yeah.
1: You know I, but yeah that I don't know about that.
2: I mean, if he plays a minute this weekend, I would hope that they would pinpoint him for a random drug test. I oh, say, yeah. I see random with yeah. quotation. <laughs> the most unrandom drug test of all time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just Hello, a hat. Riyad. <laughs> yeah. Cat full of names with just Riyad Mars on it. Oh, look who he got.
1: Literally, I see you coming off the pitch, and the guy standing there with a the tube just the <laughs> like, Hello, Riyad. <laughs> What have you been you knew to? this
0: was coming.
1: <laughs> what was that? You won the African Cup of Nations. Sort of too much celebrating. Have a little look in this fella. Come
0: on. <laughs> um. Well, Gordon, I'm glad you brought up Adrian because I wanted to touch on today's uh, transfer news. Um. You know, Mignolet out. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So we, we have some smile. strong feelings about this.
1: The <laughs> castle smile. I just listen. Sam, he's a lovely guy. His best ever season for Phil was last season. Um, because I think he played two games, and I think he made a mistake in both games. In my opinion, I think he could have done better for the Reuben Neves goal at Wolves in the FA Cup, and I thought he could have done a bit better with the uh, the first Chelsea goal I think in the League Cup. Um, so do I can't believe he's been there for six years. Horrific, um, that he's been there that long, but. You know, I think it's I think it's great. Liverpool have banked 7 million on him and you've got a, a goalie on a free transfer. He's a, a good, solid backup. He's also a bit of eye candy, isn't he? got two very handsome goalkeepers at the moment. But I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just think, he, you know, he's a solid goalie. Simon, I wish you well, mate, but he, he was just never good enough for Liverpool. That might be harsh, I'm sorry, but just never good enough. I just think he gave the defence so many nerves when, uh, when any time he played, so...
2: Yep, full agreement. Glad to see the glad to see the backbone for sure. Um, I I never felt that he was Liverpool caliber. I, I think at, at one point, and I I know I share this sentiment with uh with my dad because he just drills it into me. But there was a time, and it started really I feel like with the Rogers appointment it was just like we were starting to be okay with being mediocre, and we bought a lot of mediocre players. Um save a little bit of cash, and also you have the excuse of of always finishing seventh, sixth place, and I think he was one of those players. I don't think he was ever top four caliber, so I definitely appreciated his professionalism um uh, I know that's that's difficult to do for somebody who's you know an international goalie who's had tons of Premier League games under his belt but uh yeah, glad to see the back of him. And I I, I do think that we, we scored real big here. I mean, we made eight million. So that's always a plus. I think uh, with the amount of Premier League experience that, I mean, it's not just a good goalie, but he does have Premier League experience. And uh, he played for West Ham, so he faced an awful lot of shots. So it's not like he was doing nothing back there for him.
1: And, you know, what? as well, I want I actually want to bring this up because I, I, it needs to be public knowledge. I right? If you actually look at the Denver bar goal, and Gerard slip. Any other good goalie saves that you know? It's honestly, if you ever look watch it back, people constantly on the slip. I always say it. I've said it since the day one. It, any good goalie saves it. The the ball's right at him. It's right. It goes underneath him.
2: Yep. Yeah. It goes in between his arm and his knee. It's
1: it's it's poor keeping. You know, he's not off his line quick enough for the start as well. And I just think you know, I'm not I'm not blaming him, of course. You know, he made mistakes throughout the season. I think he was poor for City at home. We won the game in the n 3-2 with Coutinho, but it was poor for two of their goals. I just think, you know, but that that type of bar goal always rings true to me. You know, always. I always think about it and think. I look when any time you see it on like a gift or something like that. I always look and go, you has got to do better. You has to. But it's just got to be public knowledge for me. You know, if I know people don't really like reliving that experience, but if it ever comes across as I say in a gift or something like that, just have a little look again. It's, it's, it's poor keeping, him in my opinion. But as I say, he's a lovely guy. I'm sure he's brilliant. Players love him. The manager loves him. So, listen, you know, Sam, we, I wish you well, mate, but, you know, we've moved on. No, no, no one's ever, ever won trophies with shit goalkeepers. I'm sorry. That's I'm ever, you know, you, you look at like Dominating sides for years, Peter Schmeichel is one of the greatest keepers of all time, and that's why they won trophies. And David Seaman, and you know Pepe Reina was a great, great keeper won the FA Cup. And you know Allison, of course. Now no one wins, no one wins trophies with shit keepers. This just doesn't happen. Eventually they get found out, and they cost you eight to ten points a season. And unfortunately, Simon costs us eight to ten, eight probably eight to twelve points on average a season. So
2: I think you're being generous there.
1: <laughs> I try to, you know what. <laughs> Probably did cost us more, but I mean, it's. It, I look at as I say, his debut was a perfect debut. You couldn't ask for the better debut. Yeah, he saved, yeah. saved a penalty on debut. Um, he actually made one of the best saves I think I've seen uh, at Stoke away a couple of years ago. He done a double save, and it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, yeah,
2: so I Yeah, he was he was great, great shot stopper. He was really good with PKs, but other than that, his positioning has got awful, and and his. His like 18-yard box presence was just crap. I mean, I I remember being terrified for corners or free kicks within 25 yards because he never came out. We were always susceptible, and then playing man-to-man defense on on set pieces just killed us time and time again. We were the worst in the league, and not, it, not good enough.
1: I think I think this to settle the argument, right? I had this last season. Allison and Sam Amin, you know, the same size. That says it all. They both look like different men. Allison looks fourteen times the size when he's in his box. That's how commanding he is. Oh yeah. And the and they're both the same size and height, which just says it all, really. And uh, you know, again, you don't win trophies so with shipkeepers. Liverpool lost the Champions League last season because of a shit goalkeeper, and Liverpool won the Champions League this season because we had a phenomenal goalkeeper who, in the final, performed in the final. So.
0: All can right. We just, can, we some, sign, can we some just can we just sign problems. someone properly
1: now? Can we just sign someone, anyone? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: That's I, going I, into my final topic. Actually, oh, I wanted no, to have y'all no. predict: Are we doing <laughs> any deadline day deals? Because the next podcast is going to be um, recorded after a uh, deadline day is over on Thursday, so mm-hmm. we'll we'll be able to talk about it. Do y'all have any? Predictions: Will we or won't we
1: have mm.
0: a, a last minute
1: Fine. I've got one prediction which is stuck with me, and I don't know why. And I do, I, if you ask me seriously, I say no, we're never signing anyone. But I have a weird feeling about Coutinho on loan. I just don't know why, and I, I, there's no logistical reason behind Why? I just think I think he might do it if, it, if the opportunity sure. comes on the on the last day. I think they'll offer I, on loan.
0: I, they they offered him for like what twenty five million on loan for a year to and and they're supposedly in talks with an English club, but everyone was saying it was Arsenal. Okay, for the yeah. weekend.
1: I think I I I listen. They say this. They say that often' was twenty five million, like, but he still owes eighty odd million from the actual original transfer. So it's getting you know it's going to be getting to the stage where Liverpool go listen, we're going to take up for the season. And then if we want to keep him, we'll just write the money off that you've always ours that. <laughs> I think it's going to get to something stupid like that because it's quite clear that he's not wanted. Do you want the Neymar deal? They've got to keep up with the financial fair play, especially with wages as well. So I can I can half see it. I can see why you would do it as well. Um, but if you ask me, you know what my heads thinking. My heads thinking we never we're not signing anyone, and if these fans. So-called fans on, like, on Twitter and Facebook and things are getting. all we should definitely sign someone in that. Let's look at the teams who are actually signing people. So look, you know, United with Harry Maguire, he wouldn't get in our starting eleven. Like that, that's a fact. So let's look at Ndombele from Spurs, would not get in our starting eleven. So <laughs> when you are the European champion, you don't need to sign many players. And I also trust Klopp unconditionally. So, but yeah, if you had to ask me, I'd say it's uh, going to be Coutinho. I think on loan.
2: Yeah, I think sure. that, that I think we need somebody, but honestly, the the work that the backroom staff and Klopp have done not only in targeting players but going after the, the right ones time and time again over over his course of being here, uh, I've got full confidence. So I'm not losing sleep over. I'd like to see somebody. It it worries me a little bit. I'm not still not having like a a good replacement for um like a like for like but honestly maybe maybe we don't need a like for like maybe we have all the pieces that we need and all we need to do is figure out how to set up with without a Sala or Mani or Firmino in the side and and that's all it takes It's just kind of a formation change and not so much a like for like um I think that we've got we've got a good bench. I think this is the deepest bench we've had in
1: yeah. in quite
2: yeah. some time. So, and, and when you bring a big name in, you run the risk of of unsettling everything. Uh, if you, you a bigger player usually brings an ego, then you've got other players like looking over their shoulder, players that were just signed last year, are now thinking, "Oh, I've just went down the totem pole." So, I think we've got the bench right now is sort of. Comfort- i don't, I don't like to say that about professionals, but I think the bench now is comfortable knowing that they're bench players yeah. um they're not first team caliber top four caliber players uh and they're comfortable coming off the bench and i I, do, I don't think it you disrupt that I think that that right now it's working for us I mean we made the champions League final I mean we lost the Premier League by one point one inch centimeters or whatever the hell it was um I don't think that you, you disrupt that rhythm. I think that Klopp sort of sees where Tottenham have come from and and trying to build on the same thing, just keeping everybody everybody that we got and and moving forward. I mean, we've got such a young team too. That's something that that no one's really talking about. Is you really need to sign players when no one is aging? I mean, well, no one's getting into that the twilight of their career. I mean, we had Sturridge and we we dropped an enormous amount off of our wages when we let go of him. And he was really the, the aging player back there. So, I think I would like to see somebody. My heart would like to see somebody. But I think we're good.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's very really difficult as well. Because when you look at the squad. And I hate saying like he's like a new signing. But you look at Oxley Chamberlain. Didn't play last year. Let's be fair. And then you look at Titan, He looks like he's come back. It looks like he's put like £40 in muscle. I've seen him a photo of him in training. He looked unbelievable. And then you look at Lalana. Again, can you keep him fit? There's also a very, very fine line at Jürgen's threading, and it's that you've promised Brewster games. Brewster would never have signed that contract if we didn't promise him games. So you go out and you throw your 60 mil, because I know that's most people what they want. They want a backup for Firmino, and I understand that argument completely. But you've promised this kid games. If you go and sign, like for example, a team of Werner, when's Brewster getting his games? Um, I think the other, you know, the other part of this argument is with Brewster is the Harry Wilson argument. No one's paid the money that he wants for Harry Wilson, which is around the twenty twenty-five million pound mark, or thirty million dollars. So he maybe he's looked at him in pre-season and went, you know what? I can get fifteen games out of him. You know, I can get him. You know, I I think I can get at least ten starts out of Harry Wilson and plus the cups, because that's the you know Liverpool are fighting now. On, we've got six trophies to play for. You know, we do have to go to wait to like fucking Abu Dhabi or somewhere or Dubai in the middle of December, before just before the busiest running of the Premier League season to go and play in the Club World Cup. Maybe he's looking at Brewster, who's happy, not sitting on the bench as such, but happy knowing he's got to wait and buy this time for this chance. And he's doing the same with Harry Wilson. A bit like what God, what you just touched on there. So maybe he's looking at that. So I just all think it's it's all very much in the narrative of what Liverpool have got and what Liverpool need. So I'm absolutely fine if you don't sign anyone. As I say, I think the Casino wants more to like my heart than my head. But I'm more than happy if they put the start of the season with no, uh, with no silence.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, resigned to the fact that we will not have a signing, and I'm okay with it. Um, like you mm. said, I think that uh Keita and Ox coming off the coming back into the squad off those injuries it's gonna have this new infusion of kind of competing for those spots and also um I know Ox isn't you know he's he's come out and said that he's not um you know at 100 percent, and I feel like it's gonna be I'm, I'm hoping that it's gonna be like his first season with us where he just you know is is relatively more quiet for the first couple of weeks um maybe like two two months and then like he just explodes out into in, in those games and becomes such an integral part of that forward moving um force that we have um so i'm to me it's like a new signing already just that he's back so that's that's like what i'm hoping for i don't i don't need new blood i guess um but, but yeah y'all have any final thoughts about any of the topics that we went over
1: <sighs> no I'm all good on my side guys I yeah, think I just... we uh, we
2: sign Suarez for one game just so he can put five past Norwich and then send him send him back <laughs> in
1: <laughs> but, uh, no, one, no one there looks Salah score five and they go fuck's <laughs> sake so <is> someone- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gotta get started early on that goal differential, guys. Yep, I brought yeah. oh, it up. Always go
1: the goals never go, never <laughs> go of goals.
0: Um, I mean, it, for some people, I feel like it still is very much, you know, in their heads that this is a, a you know, even with all the other teams making signings and stuff you know, commentators and pundits and and even other team supporters want to say, like, oh, it's still a two-horse race between us and City. And, I mean, it just... I I hate hearing that. I hate hearing that. Um, But, yeah.
2: I think think it will be, because I think that some of the moves that, that Everton made last year and some of the moves they're making... In the offseason, I think that you've got a real scrap um, for those those third, four, third through seventh, really. I mean, if Wolves can, I, I can't see them handling the European stress with uh, the fixtures. But I think Leicester would be in there. I think that if Wolves can handle stress, they'll be back in there. We've got Arsenal, Chelsea, United, um, Tottenham. And possibly Everton. I think that they're going to take so many points off of each other. I think that it'll we'll just be able to slip through. I really, I still think it's going to be two horse race. I can't see any of those teams really challenging either of us.
1: I think if uh, I think if any one of them teams finish fifteen points closer to Liverpool or City, I think they done really well. <laughs> I'm being, and that's no disrespect, but if you look through the whole literally, all their squads. I'm talking Spurs, United, Everton, Fulham, sorry, Fulham, Everton, um, Leicester, and all that. Not one player gets more of that squads. Like, literally, you know, I, and not squads, maybe starting 11. Of course, like Hung Ming Shun would be on the bench at Liverpool and things, but wouldn't start for Liverpool. You know, and I just think, you know, we are so far ahead and you can tell we're so far ahead. I know Pochettino looks like he's already making noise about that he's not happening. With no play, the players that are coming in and things. So, you know, as I say, if they finish it within fifteen points of Liverpool, I think they've done really, really well.
0: Well, uh, there's definitely going to be some topics that we'll probably get more into on Thursday for our um, season predictions and the Mm. preview of the game on Friday. Um, So, thank y'all for joining me. Uh, uh, We had some some good review of the game and and talking Mm -hmm. about um, the VAR and everything. But those are going to be the topics for the next podcast. So Mm -hmm. tune in, and um, we'll see you all on the flip side.
1: Awesome, guys. See you later. Excellent. Thanks.